Hey, you guys, if you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. I know I had wanted to start a podcast for years and I just didn't know how to get started. Anchor made it so simple by giving me all the tools to record, edit, and even distribute my podcast across listening platforms like Apple and Spotify. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I never would have left that relationship and I can't imagine what would have happened had I stayed. I needed to have all of those resources taken away from me for me to learn who I actually was in the Lord and what was actually important. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the Raised and Redeemed podcast and YouTube channel. I'm your host, Michaela Nikolenko, and today I have on another amazing guest, Megan Brianna from the Love Stands Here podcast, and we're talking about her testimony and how Jesus saved her from a lifetime of toxic lifestyle patterns and codependent relationships. What I love about talking to Megan and listening to her podcast is just how real and raw and honest she keeps it about her healing journey and the fact that not everything is just sunshine and rainbows the moment you're saved, but there's really hard things that you're going to continue to have to endure, but now you just get to endure them with Jesus alongside you. So without further ado, let's get on to the episode. Okay, well, thank you, Megan, for being on the show today. I'm so excited that we could finally bring this together. I listen to your podcast, Love Stands Here, all the time. And so I'm just really excited to share your your insights and your wisdom and just everything that you are with my listeners here too. So thank you for being on today. Well, I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this for a while. We talked about it. When did we actually talk about <laughs> doing this? I feel like it was like two or three months ago. Yeah, a couple months. I think we've been following each other on TikTok um, for probably a few months now. Yeah, yeah. But it's all in perfect timing. And um, that's what I love so much about listening to your channel, too, is like you don't try to be something you're not. You don't come with this approach of like teaching and preaching. You just share genuinely what you're going through. And in that, people are able to learn so much. And um yeah, I think just feel a lot less alone in what we're going through. So I think that's like even more valuable sometimes. Mm -hmm. I think it's so important. Um, I don't know what you've heard on my podcast, but I've been in the online space for gosh, over six and a half years now. And I started with an MLM company mm. and in that company, the biggest thing they teach you is to share your story and how powerful it is. Um, and I had some other things that I went through shortly before that, where sharing my story became a big part of my life. Mm -hmm. And I can't even tell you how healing that's been for me. 
And I just think it's so important and it's so powerful because not only does it, like I say all the time, not only does it open up space for you to heal and for other people to support you, but then you're also opening up space for um, other people to open up, to feel comfortable um, and brave enough to open up about their story. You know what I mean? So it's been really amazing. I know I've personally been inspired to be more raw and real, even on this show since listening to yours, because I'm like, okay, like I don't have to have it all together. And nobody even expects that of you or wants that of you, like, because nobody has it all together. So when you're able to just be honest with that, I feel like, yeah, everything you're saying, it it does, it, it opens up space for other people to heal. And, and you personally heal too. Every time you, you tell your story, I've noticed that like the things that used to choke me up, like back in like high school or something where I would share parts of that. Now I can say it with a straight face where it's like, yeah, that was a part of my story, but I'm not as emotionally impacted by it. The more I tell it. Right. Right. It's so amazing. It's so powerful. So today I wanted to, um, just like as a little agenda to talk about what led you into, and I don't know everything that you got into, but I know it was like toxic relationships and um, just toxic lifestyle habits in general. So to get like a background on what led you into that, and then your testimony of how Jesus saved you slash when you really knew that Jesus was real and Jesus was God. um, And then what's changed since then. Oh, girl. Okay. So I'll try not to make this too long. Um, so I guess the way I usually start is that I I struggled with um, codependency like tremendously in my life. I grew up without a dad. Mm-hmm. And when I was little, so I didn't have a lot of male teachers, like nobody in my life that taught me how I was supposed to be treated by a male. So my first teachers were little boys. That, you know, when I first started to, to be interested in boys that told me I'd go out with you if you lost weight. So between things like that and, um, you know, our culture teaching us that our body is the most important thing in the world and our appearances and romance and sex, that is what I learned about having relationships with men. So I grew up believing that my parents, my body was the most important thing in the world. Mm. Um, I did grow up in the church with my grandmother and it was wonderful. She died when I was 12 and then I got out of it. I stopped going to church. And so I didn't know God as a um, young adult. And then until I was 32, which we'll get to that. But um, so in that time, I had this belief system that I was only worthy if I was, if I looked a certain way, if I was sexy, you know, if I did all of these things that the world tells you is important. Um, so I got into a really unhealthy relationship. I, you know, I grew up in Vermont and I got into a really unhealthy relationship here in my early twenties. It was with a narcissist Mm -hmm. and that ended with a restraining order. And I ended up moving to Arizona um, kind of to get away from this person because my best friend decided she wanted to move out there. So I was like, I'm going to go with you. So yeah. I ended up, I ended up living in Arizona for nine years. Mm-hmm. And as you know, that is a 
there's a lot of temptation in Arizona. There's a lot of things to do yeah. um, you know, in the Phoenix area. Um, there's a lot of bars, there's a lot of nightlife, there's a lot of young people. And so mm-hmm. I spent um, my, from 23 to 32 in Arizona and still with that same um, mindset in the same beliefs where mm-hmm. I was going to, I needed to attract a man all the time. I either needed to be in a relationship or I needed to be, you know, doing whatever. When I wasn't in a relationship, I needed to constantly get attention from men. And unfortunately that meant for me, lots of hookups and just like lots of drinking, lots of partying. Um, and that is also like part of my codependency is not only did I feel like I needed a man to, well, I needed a man to need me. Um, I, I wanted to feel needed by a man and I, I had this like idea that I could fix them because I always had this really big heart and, you know, um, so yeah, I mean, my life in Arizona was several toxic relationships, um, just a lot of toxic behavior. And at the end in 2017, I met somebody, he ended up being another narcissist and like, it was just the worst relationship I had ever been in. And mm-hmm. I ended up giving, cause I had my own place. I had a great job. I had my own place. Um, you know, I was very much independent and I ended up leaving my apartment cause he asked me to move in with him. And so I ended up moving in with him and then I, I was trying to build a coaching business. So I didn't have like a consistent income and we had all these plans, you know, and he was treating, I mean, he was just, it was, he was a terribly screwed up human being. Um, I pray for him, but, um, at the end of 2018, he told me all of a sudden, just in the kitchen, I remember, I don't love you anymore. And I remember sobbing. I was so brainwashed and I was so codependent. I just remember sobbing and like begging him to fall back in love with me. It was terrible. And, um, it ended up, I ended up, he ended up kicking me out and I had nowhere to go. So the only place I could go to was back in with my mom back here in Vermont. So, um, within like three or four days, I had to pack up a U-Haul and drive across country and move back in with my mom. And, um, I had just gotten a puppy that I had to leave there. Mm-hmm. I had to leave half of my stuff cause I couldn't fit it in the U-Haul. So yeah. I don't know where any of that went, but, um, it was, an awful experience. And I had started to get so sick at the end of that relationship. Um, I was so mentally and emotionally unwell that it started manifesting physically to the point where I was sleeping like 16 hours a day. I like little things like brushing my teeth were so, so hard, um, or making the bed. I just like cried because I, I had no energy. Mm -hmm. Um, and my, my body would swell up anytime he was around and he was angry. Um, my hands and my feet would get really swollen. He actually drove me across country. He drove you after he broke up with you. Yeah, that was an awful, that, and it was terrible. And this is at one point he, we were on the highway and he started freaking out on me for some reason. And I started crying and he, I had my, 
my dog in, in between us and he swerved over to the side and like threw his hands. I guess I probably should have said trigger warning, but like threw his hands over my, my mouth and was just screaming in my face. Like that's the kind of stuff that was happening on the way home. So it was lovely. So that night I remember we were in a hotel room and he was icing me out. He wouldn't speak to me at all. And that was something that he did frequently. Mm -hmm. And I looked in the mirror and my ankles were like this big because I was just so stressed out all the time. And that's just what, um, that's just what happened. So anyway, I got, I came home, um, in the next six months I was devastated and I fell into a really, really deep depression and I had nothing left. And, um, I felt like I lost my identity and I didn't know anything about nothing seemed real to me anymore. I didn't know what the truth about myself or about life was. And so, um, and then that's when I was saved because I had nowhere to turn. And I just felt one night, this overwhelming tug to cry out to God. And I didn't even know if I believed in God because I had been kind of like in the new agey space too, um, for a while. Like I had gotten back into spirituality, but it was more, um, like the universe. Yeah. I was going to ask you that if you had any kind of spiritual life at all while you were in Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. I got into it when I started coaching. Um, and then when I started, um, cause I have a, my certification as an eating psychology coach and, and in that program, you, they teach you a lot about the spiritual part of, um, actually eating, which is really cool, but that got me into it, but it was also, it was all very much like whatever you want to believe in, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, one night I just remember praying and I, I can't even, I can't even tell you, I don't know what your experience was like, but I had this overwhelming, um, sense of comfort that I hadn't felt in months and just all of this energy. It was like eight 30 at night. And I knew that I had to get up and go to my closet to unpack. And this was probably two months after I moved home. I hadn't unpacked yet because I was so desperate to get back to Arizona because I was still so attached to it. Um, in spite of how toxic it was. So you thought you were going to move back still at this point. Oh my gosh. For really for the first year, I still wanted to move back. Like I had a lot of healing to do, (laughs) but I was, I was also working on my relationship with God in that first year. So obviously, um, it moved me in the right direction. Yeah. But I got up and I went to my closet and I found, I moved a bag that had been really sturdy the entire time I had it, had a bunch of books in it. And the bottom dropped, the a corner ripped open and a book fell at my feet and it's called Writing Down Your Soul by Janet Connor. And basically she teaches you how to journal to connect with yourself. And mm-hmm. in the book, she teaches you, like it could be considered new agey because she teaches you like to connect to self, to connect mm-hmm. to the universe, to connect to whatever. But I just felt compelled to 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 write God. So I started journaling every day for at least three months straight, I journaled every day and I wrote, dear God. And a lot of those pages were, I hate you. Why are you doing this to me? I was so angry. Um, man, going back and reading the journals now is just insane. But, but after that, it was just one thing after another, I started listening to sermons and then I started finding 
resources, more resources on, on the Christian faith and God brought really amazing people into my life and I started healing and it's just, it's been amazing since then. (laughs) I loved listening to one of your recent podcasts too. You said, you know, moving back in with your mom, it's like, while it was the last place that you wanted to be, God definitely brought you back to that space um, to to meet you there and how she would play Joel Olstein on the TV mm-hmm. and you'd hear it and it would always be exactly what you needed to hear to make it through your day. Yep. And so I just think that's so cool. Like he was pursuing you really hard in that season. Like he literally brought you home to him and not just in the spirit world. Like he actually brought you home too to do that. Right. right. Exactly. And I needed to come home because I, I never would have left that relationship and I can't imagine what would have happened had I stayed. I needed to have all of those resources taken away from me for me to learn who I actually was in the Lord and what was actually important. Yeah, I actually, I relate to that a lot. I had a really toxic relationship in Arizona too. And mine was like more in your face, like burning bush kind of moment that brought me to the Lord because I saw a demon in him. And that's when I realized I'm like, okay, so all of this is real. If demons are real, Jesus must be real. Cause at that time I was really new agey. I thought that the universe was God. And I didn't think that Satan was a person or Jesus was a person. Um, so that instance made me realize, you know, it's all real, but I totally know what you mean. Like I wouldn't have let that relationship go had Jesus not given me the strength to do so. And had he not begun teaching me like what I actually deserve to have in a man, because Mm -hmm. then that led to me being saved. And then I started learning, okay, so Jesus learning who he was as a man. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like he would never want that kind of relationship for me. He would love me. He would send somebody who would love me so much better. And I just knew that that wasn't it because like, relationships that are like toxic relationships they're just very scarring and the man that you're supposed to be with the man that God would send you it's not going to be it's not going to be scars yeah it's so amazing and and it's amazing to me that you like you visually saw like demons right yeah numerous times but that last time I was completely sober because like I told you I got into all the psychedelic kind of stuff while I was in Arizona but this time when I saw this this demon, I was completely sober. And that's how I knew I was like, okay, this is all real. (laughs) Right. Like that, like the, um, I don't know if it's one you listen to, but the severe mercy episode that I, that I just had recently that I was talking about how God often, it was my pastor, um, talked about this in one of his sermons recently, how God will use, um, will deal us a severe mercy to bring him, to bring us back to him and something like that, where it's like right in your face or like, like it's something that hurts so badly. You have like, you can't go anywhere else and it's awful, but it's a mercy regardless because it brings you back to God. Yeah. And it's, it's so cool too, how he comes to each person in the way that he knows that we would receive him. So I have my mom on one of my most recent episodes and She's super rebellious um, and struggles with like a a whole lifetime of addiction. So she's seen really crazy spiritual things too. And she told me, she was like, you know, she's like, I don't have to have faith. She's like, I don't think I would have been strong enough to have faith. She was like, but God let me see 
what he let me see because he knew that. He knew that that was the only way to get me to believe. And I think it's the same thing with me is like, I did not believe in Jesus at all. So he knew that he had to show me what he showed me, but every person's different. And that's, that's what I love about, you know, the intimate relationship that we each have with him because he's going to present himself and pursue in different ways, depending on that person. Right. You know, people, I'm sure you've experienced it, but I talk about all the time, people, especially on TikTok are just so awful sometimes. I hear you talk about that. I always wonder like who you're seeing because. Do you not get that? Well, like, do you mean like the haters and the comments that are like with all their legalistic views and stuff like this? Yeah. Yeah. Well, where I was going with this is that um, like I, I was saved by a new agey book, Mm -hmm. but how many people would say that that's impossible because it's not in the Bible. Like, like, um, the Lord condemns, you know, obviously it's, it's, um, it goes against the Lord. So that couldn't have happened because he would never send you anything that wasn't of him. And it's just like, it's, it, it, I, I, it's people that like to put God in a box for me. That yeah. drives me nuts. And I understand, like, they want, you know, everything in the Bible is truth. And that's so, I mean, obviously, but also God works in other ways that we don't understand. So basically, that's what I'm talking about. Yes, like the the political, legalistic stuff that just, I'm like, wow. Well, that's the same exact thing that the Pharisees did. Right. They, they tried to put God in a box, too. And Jesus was yeah. there the whole time, like, uh-uh, like, I'm here. <laughs> Right. So I love that you brought up the book and how people would say, like, there's no way that you could be saved through a new agey book, because there was a really new agey book that was right there hand in hand with my salvation, too. And that's it's called Mary Magdalene Revealed um, by like Megan Watterson, or I I think it's Megan Watterson. And um, she went to Harvard. She studied religion. I think she would even like I think she might even call herself a Christian, but she teaches like the Gnostic gospels, which we know are not, it's not biblically accurate, right? Like this is people in the new age community love this book, but in this book, it's like a story about uh, Mary Magdalene being in love with Jesus. And so, right. And so that's like not in the Bible, right? That goes against, that's not, um, you can't like fact check that with the Bible, but in reading that, because it was before I was saved and I was in this toxic relationship still, I began to be curious about Jesus because I was seeing how much based on what this book was saying, how much Mary loved him and how good of a person he was and all the great things that he did that I was like, I should start reading the Bible too, to, to get more of like the details of what he did. So it was a new agey book as well that pushed me to reading the Bible in conjunction with the fact that, so my toxic relationship was he was married and, um, definitely totally against the Bible. At that time, I didn't believe in the Bible. I believed all this guy's lies that they were separated. And, you know, he left that, that marriage, and we were going to be together and we were looking at houses. And but anyway, so he was a Christian. So I did start to want to consider the Bible. And it's like a double whammy of what you said, like people say God isn't isn't going to speak in that way, because that goes against the Bible. But he spoke to me through a married man, which is like adultery. It is adultery and through a new agey book. So I think God can do anything. Yeah. And I mean, especially when it comes to salvation, 
there are so many people again with like the legalistic, the legalism and needing to be so perfect about the Bible and -hmm. what it says and making in, in this focus on righteous correction when half of these people aren't righteous yet, they're, they're, you know, it's all about self-righteousness. Yeah. But things like when people come in the comments and say things like, like one time I said fruits of the spirit, I, t- I, I use this example all the time. One time <laughs> I said fruits of the spirit and somebody corrected me and said, it's fruit. And I'm like, you know, I'm talking to people about a relationship with Jesus. And most of the people that don't know Jesus yet, don't even understand the language of the Bible. So to me, like this idea that we need to be perfect when we're speaking to people that Jesus wants us to speak to that don't know him yet. It it doesn't make any sense to me. Like we need to meet people where they're at. That's why I try to be as vulnerable and transparent as possible because the people that need Jesus need to know that that's okay. Yes. Um, I love that you said that too, because I've been reading Galatians and Peter that, and I hope I'm not messing this up, but it was Peter that was sent to preach to the religious people. Mm -hmm. um, And then it was Paul that was sent to preach to the the Gentiles, the non-religious people. So we're, we are sent out to different groups of people and, you know, they didn't hate on each other for the way in which they preached to those different people. Right. Because they had different purposes. God gave them different, different gifts, different backgrounds and different purposes in that. Right. And they didn't have social media and a phone or a you know, laptop to hide behind. So (laughs) true, true, true. Hey, you guys, if you're in a relationship and trying to figure out if he's the one, or maybe you're recently single and taking a step back to figure out how to best go about finding the one, I have the ebook for you. Head over to the link in my bio or in the comment section from wherever you're listening to find my latest ebook, How to Know If He's the One. In this ebook, I share the worst of my relational mistakes and how Jesus finally showed me there was a better way. Gradually, he began to mend my heart, and I know he will do the same for you too. <laughs> I think we I think we forget that trying to and I was just talking about uh, about this with another lovely woman that I met on TikTok, Erica, in my last episode. Um you know, we forget that our relationships on social media are so different than they would be in person. Mm -hmm. And in the Bible, and Paul talks about this, he talks about correction, but I think twice, at least twice, he, he talks about how it's supposed to be in private. Mm. And there's actually, I can't remember what the verses are. Um, I had them pulled up the other day, but it talks about like, a a sequence of how you're supposed to correct somebody. And it's like, pull them aside, just you and this person. And if they don't listen to you, then bring in another couple of people. And then if they still don't listen to you, you know, do this and do this. But basically the very end, the way, like how you're supposed to deal with the person who doesn't want to listen at the very end, after you've tried several different methods is how people are starting on social Mm -hmm. media. It's just like assuming, you know, who these people are and like, I don't know. It's just, it's very, very different. And I think we just need to be so much more mindful about it, but 
Yeah, I agree. I don't say anything to anybody because I know, I know. We're, all just, we're all just doing our best. <laughs> I know. I know. Exactly. And, and, you know, if you don't have a relationship with somebody, they're not going to trust you. So if you're trying to correct them, it's not, it's going to go in one ear and out the other, or it's going to be really, really hurtful most of the time because they don't trust that you actually have their best interest at heart. Yeah, that's so true. Okay. So I know you answered like how you came to faith, but I'm curious if there was a moment that you really knew that Jesus was God. That's a good question. Um, Because for me, like I grappled with God about that. Like when you talk about your journals of, you know, like saying things to God, like, I hate you. And like this and that, like, this was my grapple where I'm like, I believe in you, God, but I don't know that you're Jesus. And so I ended up having dreams and just different confirmations. And the Holy Spirit was convincing me at church and just more and more things added up to where I knew without a doubt that God was Jesus. That is such a good question. And it's really interesting for me to think about because it that question is not something that ever, it was just growing up in the church and, you know, having that background and not realizing how much it kind of in actually did inform my heart throughout my life. Um, even though I, I got away from it, I think I always had Jesus in my heart. And so when I started listening to sermons and stuff, just when they were talking about Jesus, it just, it made sense to me. What I will say is that I, I did, you know, it, it's a tough journey as you know, like being a Christian and, and especially unlearning everything that you've known to be true for so long in 2020, I went back to Arizona. Um, and up until then, I, I still was determined to get back there. And I ended up having an awful experience. Like I fell back into old patterns and I had a really, really awful experience And when I finally got home, I was like, yep, that um, solidifies the fact that I'm not supposed to be back in Arizona. But around that time, I was really struggling, like feeling like I think God was like this slave driver or like I was very separate from him and I didn't have like a relationship with him and it didn't feel loving to me for whatever reason, I think, because I was just still struggling so hard myself. Yeah. But I, um, Easter of 2020, right after I got back from Arizona is when I found the chosen mm-hmm. and I started watching the chosen. Yeah, that's good. I, oh my gosh. I binge watched, I binge watched it and it completely, I don't know. It completely changed my idea of Jesus. I think for the first time felt like Jesus was a friend and he was somebody that really truly love me in that first episode with Mary Magdalene when he calls her by name I mean that Mm. I'm sure like have you seen it yes yeah I'm sure that one probably hit you too yeah absolutely I was hooked after that (laughs) seriously I I think there's something like so powerful about watching movies and shows and, you know, you get together with friends and family and you like recommend a Jesus thing. And they're like, no, I don't want to watch. Like, let's watch a comedy. Like, right. light. and I'm like, no, like you have no idea what you're missing because yeah. it just makes it so, it makes it so real. Like it helps you really understand 
like get a visual to it. Like it helps to add a visual component to our understanding of him. Right. And it's not just, it's not just like, oh, here's the story of Jesus. I mean, it's, it lines up so well with the character of Jesus in the Bible. And so that's what makes it so beautiful. And, and it's almost like watching that and knowing that that is the character of Jesus, it kind of makes you breathe a little easier because you're like, oh, he was, he just so much grace and so much mercy and so much love. And just like, I can just imagine him actually being like lighthearted and like cracking right. jokes. And that's just yes. something that's really nice to think about, you know? I always have these moments where like I'm being hard on myself or like, say I messed something up or like it was a rough day or I said something awkward that I wish I didn't say. And then I'm like thinking in my head, like I often have this initial thought of would God be disappointed in me? And like, did I, did I poorly portray his kingdom and and how I said this? And I have this like instant fear and worry. And I can't tell you how many times right after that, I find myself laughing because I literally visualize him like a dad being like, yeah, like you, you kind of mess that up a little bit, but it's, it's okay. It's all right. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> just having yeah. humor. Yes. It, it's so nice. It's so nice to have that for sure. So yeah, I would, I would say that was probably, I, I think Jesus was just kind of automatic for me and it just, um, mm-hmm. you know, made sense for whatever reason. Yeah. I never thought about Jesus not being God. And it just, Mm -hmm. but yeah, definitely watching the chosen made it. It just made me feel that much closer (laughs) to him. So that makes so much sense. My husband has a similar answer to that is like, he grew up Christian, Russian Orthodox. And so in his culture and in the country he's from, it's like, Jesus is God. God is not separate from Jesus, but we live in such a, like, it's so diverse over here in America that like, there's so many different versions of who God is and what different names and figures that could be God. And especially in Arizona too, like all the, all the other gods and goddesses. Yes. And so I found myself really confused by that, but my, my husband, he went through a, a, a season in his life where he didn't believe in God, but it's not like he ever thought there was another God. He just didn't believe in God altogether. So when he came back, he just, yeah, he always knew Jesus was God too. So that, that answer makes sense to me. So my next question is, and I know that you're going to give me like an honest answer. So I love that already knowing <laughs> before I even ask it. Um, and that's what has changed in your life since being saved. And I know so many, so many times people give this answer of like, oh, just everything is just amazing. And, and that's where I'm like, okay, well, I still struggle with like XYZ all the time. And so I know that you're really raw with that too. So I love that. So I know that you're going to share the, you know, the good parts and the ways that he's redeemed, but like the things that you're still healing with too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's funny. I, I've done a couple videos and, and like in the last couple of months, or I did a couple of videos and I think I've talked on my, my podcast, like towards the beginning of the year about how um, the things that I was saved from and, um, a couple of those things, or a few of those things are like, um, body dysmorphia and, um, depression, you know, I'm saved for like, I, and now I feel like the last couple of months I've been like, well, why did I say that? Because 
for the first time in a few years, I started um, struggling with depression again, just the last couple of months. Um, and I know a lot of it is like um, hormonal. It's like physiological. And it's also the season of, li of life I'm in. Um, so I'm like, well, I shouldn't have said that. But also, I think the big thing is that I'm, I might be struggling with depression. And I think this is true of a lot of things. But I now have God in my life. So I, I know that and I know he is so much bigger than that. So mm -hmm. I have hope. And I have his promises to hold on to. So it's not like it used to be. Um, and like, even today, I, I was telling you at the beginning when you prayed, which was so beautiful. Um, I had, I just woke up and I was just sad today. And, you know, I'm going through big changes. Like both of my job, jobs ended and there's a couple other things that came to a close. And um, like, I just feel like things are shifting a lot. And that is always really scary for me. Um, so it makes sense that my emotions are up and down, but, um, what I will say is that I've absolutely been, um, redeemed from codependency and narcissistic relationships. I will never, ever be in another relationship like that ever again, because like you were saying, I now know the character of Jesus. I know mm -hmm what he embodies. Yeah. So I know what to look for in a man. And obviously I'm not looking for perfection, yeah. but the character of Jesus and the fruit of the spirit, the fruit, not the fruits. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah. And so like when you know what to look for and when you start to learn about your worth through Jesus and who you are through Jesus and as a child of God, it makes so much difference because then you have an awareness of, um, well, I don't have to put up with this and that's not okay. Even though the world tells you so many things are okay that aren't and, you know, toxicity is the norm. Yeah. I mean, once you have a compass that is right, um, even though it's narrow, it, it helps tremendously. So yeah, definitely codependency and toxic relationships a million percent, but I do still struggle with like body image issues every once in a while. The difference now is that I don't let them control me because I know what's more important. And that is my calling and my purpose and who I am as a child of God. Yeah. Um, so I just, I worked that out and now I have, you know, I have prayer um, as a, as a weapon. <laughs> yeah. So really helpful, but I mean, the codependency thing on its own is huge. Uh, yeah. That is the core of yeah. why I got into all of the things that I did because I was, I was looking for, I was looking to fill that hole that I had in all the wrong places, you know, and now I have a heavenly father that I can turn to. So mm -hmm. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. And I, I love too that you shared um about, you know, you still struggle with like body dysmorphia here and there. And that's that's what you coach around, right? Like you so is that is that what your primary coaching business is? So that's what I was coaching around. It was mostly um uh like disordered eating. Okay. Um and I haven't coached in a few years but I have my certification as an eating psychology coach because I, when I started, 
online, I got into the health and fitness space. And while I was so blessed by that journey of starting to share my story and starting to encourage and and starting to meet new people, I still struggled tremendously with body image issues because in that space, it's still very much body centered and like, it's all about how you look. It's all about the surface. And I was, you know, after a couple of years, I was like, you know, they talk about how this is supposed to be like so healing and so healthy. And yet I still hate myself (laughs) and I still have like a really unhealthy relationship with food. So that's when I found, um, the Institute for the psychology of eating and I got my certification there and I practiced for a short time, but that was between that was in 2018, right before that whole thing blew up with my relationship. And then Mm -hmm. I moved away from it because I had to focus on healing myself. And I just, I, I haven't gotten back into it, but also now that I'm, um, doing more ministry things, I'm like, it'd be a matter of figuring out how to incorporate that into it. Um, I mean, I don't know, I guess you can, I guess you can heal from body dysmorphia. Um, I, like I said, it definitely doesn't control me anymore, but I mean, I think if you, when you really struggle in the fact that we live in a world that is so body and appearance focused, I think it's just, it's too easy to fall back into that. It's interesting how it feels like some things, this takes me back to, I don't know who said it in the Bible, but about the thorn in, Mm -hmm. in your head. Paul, Paul, the, Paul, and his the thorn in his side, or <laughs> we're yes. so good at this. I was just, we're just, I just love that we're trying to figure it out, and we're not like trying to be perfect about knowing the exact verse and the exact book. Exactly. And the exact, yeah. I mean, I yeah. love that. <laughs> but so he was like asking God and pleading with God, like, please take this thorn away. Mm-hmm. And God was like, no, because this is the pain point that keeps you dependent on me. So, because I still struggle with anxiety and depression and a lot of it, like you said, is hormonal. And I listened to one of your podcasts too. And you're like, but it's also like when I eat sugar, I feel like this. And Mm -hmm. I know I need to cut back on that. And I'm going through like a three-day coffee fast. And some of it is physiological, some of it's hormonal and some of it is spiritual, but like, regardless, we live in these human bodies. So we're of course going to feel these things and there's still going to be wounds that we're healing and, you know, things that we struggle with that I think just continue to bring us back to God, because it's like, we feel so helpless in that, that Mm -hmm. it's like, we need those little helpless points in our life, those little places that keep us seeking him. Right. Yep. Cause otherwise we wouldn't need his grace at all. Exactly. Yeah. So I have one final question. Okay. And that is, what would your advice be to other young women who are just like how you were, who are maybe walking in a season of just not knowing their worth, struggling with codependency and, um, you know, body image issues. Um, Maybe they don't know Jesus yet. Just if you were to think back to that version of yourself, um, like 10 years ago or however long, what would your advice be to yourself then? Oh my gosh. <clears throat> That's hard cuz I and this is what I struggle with is that I 
I never would have, I don't think I ever would have believed if anybody came up and talked to me about Jesus. But (laughs) now that I'm thinking about it, it's also because I, I never had any safe spaces. I never had anybody in my life when I was in Arizona that I actually felt safe around. So I think the biggest thing for me is it's so important to have safe people in your corner. Um, it's, it's so important to build some kind of safe space. And I know that's really hard when you're, when you're like in the middle of toxicity and you're struggling and stuff, but, and this is what my mom did for me. And this was a huge part of my healing process. Anybody that will see what you're going through and will be willing to sit with you and hold your hand or, you know, just let you cry on their shoulder or just let you talk about whatever you need to talk about without judging, without trying to manipulate the situation, without trying to fix you. I think that's the most powerful thing in the world. That is one of the biggest reasons that I started to believe that Jesus was real was because my mom showed me a love that felt like it could be godly love. I mean, as close as you can get to that in the world, do you know what I mean? And I think there's, there's a lot of people, you know, we, we all want everybody to be saved, (laughs) but, and it's just so easy to be like, well, Jesus is the answer. This is the way to do it. But I think we just really need to get in there with people and, and, um, be willing to sit with them and let them know that they're not alone. Yeah. Um, I think that's the most powerful thing in the world because that is showing the love of Jesus. Yep. Yep. So finding those people. Amen. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's been such a good conversation. I know. Well, I'm excited to keep in touch. Me too. And then how can the listeners find you? Uh, Lovestancer.com is my website. Um, I'm it's love stands here on any of any streaming platform is my podcast. Um, I am love underscore stands underscore here on Instagram and love dot Megan Brianna on TikTok. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Megan. Thank you.